But it is interesting to figure out how a project is going to go live in the world because that's what you want it to do. You don't want it to live on your hard drive. You want it to get out there. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. So we're here in Bushwick, Amy Touchette and Jen McClure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited. You guys brought some awesome books. I can't wait to talk about them. But first, we're going to catch up with what you guys have been up to. So, uh, Amy, like, I feel like I've been following you. Your Instagram is where I see you like every single day shooting in Greenpoint street photography. So I kind of know you as like another street photographer. I won't uh, I won't use the the. The term street tog. <laughs> like some people online. Oh my god, love, I've like never saying. heard that. That's but uh, you're definitely like, uh, you know, when I started out, it was all street photographers I knew, and you came on my radar pretty quickly. It was the portraits. It was you did the portraits of like the young people, the and insiders. Yeah, yeah the insiders. in 2010, you saw that. I really yeah. appreciated that. Yeah. yeah, it was so like that was the stuff I was drawing. Then obviously we get into the Instagram era and you're and see you're out in Greenpoint because I lived in Greenpoint and you, so you're like, oh, kind of, did I ask you? I think I asked Jen how you made the photos and she gave away your secret. I did. So you, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Hey, that's a friend before, right? That's a, I outed you. I was like, how was she? And she's like, oh yeah, she did it like serendipitously, like stealing the photos. Is that true? It is with yeah. my iPhone uh-huh. and everything on somebody. Instagram is, is, I would say I use that term too. Really? Stolen photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I asked without permission. I stole it, you mm-hmm. know, it, but those are the necessary foundations for candid photography. Oh yeah. And with my iPhone, and that's all that's on my Instagram, yes. Unless they're my friends, you know, I'm taking pictures and sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't. Most of the time we don't have a discussion whether they do or don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like eye contact, so I kind of wait for them to notice me. And those are the pictures that I select in the end for like, say my Instagram feed. But the images that you saw in 2010, the insiders, those are with my Roloflex and those are all very differently created. I go up to them and, you know, say, do you have a second? I'd like to take your picture. I have this old fashioned camera, you know, that sets a certain vibe to the interaction. And I give them some um, direction and, you know, it's totally different. But in the end, it's interesting because some of those photos look a lot like my Instagrams. Some of them don't. Some of them look like maybe more, even more, more specifically, the insiders do not look as much like my iPhone photos, maybe because they're closer cropped in or I don't know, but, um, I'm definitely a huge fan of the street. It's definitely why I became a photographer specifically in New York, but it's spread everywhere. Like after I just started really looking at people, which it took New York for me to, to do, I guess I'm sure the diversity just like just start sparkle everything for me, right. you know, and now I go everywhere and I see people all the time who uh-huh. interest me. So, so how long have you been photographing? Not that long uh-huh. since 2001. Really? I, yeah, I came upon photography when I was 30 and, uh, I had a career as a writer and an editor and I ended up becoming a managing editor. So I had 10 editors underneath me I was working in an office with a cubicle and all that stuff. And um, it just wasn't going well, you know, for me personally, it didn't suit me. You know, I always felt like a pretty confident person, 
And I thought that meant that I would be a good leader. Um, and you know how it is like in your twenties, you test out all these things about yourself. And by the time I was 30 via this job and just more experience, I realized I actually don't like to lead. I really don't like to tell people what to do. <laughs> and that confidence was more, um, appropriate to lead sort of the solo life of, of the photographer, which is one of the reasons that I, I came upon photography, just making realizations about my personality at that age. And, and then also September 11th happened around the same time I was having this big epiphany about, whoa, like I'm 30 and I just, I'm not all that excited about this office life thing I've got going here, you know? Um, and then once September 11th happened, it just seemed ridiculous that I was even settling for life. And um, I didn't even know how to shoot a manual, use a manual camera. You know, I started photo one at ICP with Jeff Mermelstein. Nice, um, I didn't nice. know how to print. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what dodging was. I, I didn't know aperture, even though I had used manual cameras, I never understood like <laughs> why the shutter went yeah. longer sometimes and yeah. not the other. Yeah. Hilarious, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous, yeah. but yeah, go on. Yeah. I would say it's a common theme that I've seen like a lot of people picking up photography for some reason, like later in life. Like it was same for me in my late twenties when I kind of like had writer's block and then like, oh, I can take a camera and just go out and make the picture and come home and see them. So it's like, I, I, it's a common trend I see a lot amongst a lot of people. What about you? When did you, Jen, when did you pick that up? Well, it's funny how it happened for me because I actually took pictures all the time when I was a kid, constantly. And it was just always something that I did and I never thought about. Mm -hmm. And we moved all the time. My father was a Marine. So everywhere we went, I had these huge cork boards on the wall. Even then, it was something that I always demanded that my parents put up. And I would take pictures and just arrange stories constantly. And I took a couple of classes when I was in college, and I shot a little for the newspaper, University of Florida. But I didn't get in the program there. It just didn't seem like something that I enjoyed that much or that came so easily or that made so much sense could actually be a career. Nice. Yeah. Which in retrospect yeah. just seems ridiculous. <laughs> and I realized pretty quickly that I didn't, I thought I wanted to be an English professor. Mm. And after I started hanging out with all of my English professors, I realized that that might be a terrible <laughs> right. idea. Most of them were not mm. very happy. So I didn't start again until I was around 30. And it was the same thing where I was looking at my life and trying to figure out what am I doing? What means something? Mm. And so I went to School of Visual Arts and took a couple of printing classes, continuing education, and then moved over to ICP. Mm -hmm. And I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't as interested in the technical as I was in the storytelling aspect. And so I started taking classes with people like Lauren Greenfield, um, Andrea Modica. Um, I found Amy Arbus. I took her class. And then I was her teaching assistant for many years, which was really useful to go through the process over and over again of shooting and editing and shooting and editing and narrowing down. That's how I started. So I, I, I believe we met at Photonola. Like that was like the, when I, you, I was reviewing and you were a reviewer and I was kind of like, Oh, you live in a story, Queen Sue. I live in a story. And like, yes. yeah, so that was, that was interesting seeing you, seeing your work for the first time there. And it was the, you, you brought the, the, the personal stuff, the self portraits, right? I did. Yeah. So like yeah. that was to you, you started out with the self portraits, but now you're moving, you've moved on 
to like your latest project that you're working on now, which is, I think is very interesting. You're photographing like single people in New York, right? I am. And you're, how are you finding them? All over the place. Yeah. Um, They're like, everywhere, apparently, right? That's in New York City. Exactly. I have a lot of new ideas for how to find more people, but how I started out, um, initially I put an ad on Craigslist in the platonic section, and that was a disaster. That turned out to be a huge mistake. Um, I had a lot of people who just wanted to talk in email, and as soon as I mentioned, hey, what about the photo? Then everybody would just disappear, or they would say, what photograph? And if, you know, the photograph I mentioned in the first line, of the ad, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. You know, and I got one guy who was a juggler and I just, I started to salivate. And he said, yeah, I'm worried that a girlfriend might get in the way of my juggling career. Oh, what? And I was dying. I'm like, please, please let me come over and photograph you. But he's one who disappeared when I mentioned portrait. Um, so I found quite a few through word of mouth. I put something up on Facebook, which I was nervous about. You know, a lot of people said, don't give away your project while you're working on it. But I thought. I'd rather have a recommendation than a stranger from Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, this thing already, but it seems like there is an internet component already to it. I mean, it could be a really, you know, are you going to incorporate any of like the exchanges or the ads? I know you said you wanted to do some audio interviews on it, yeah. which I think is an awesome idea. Yeah. As long as you can master the audio, Tom will give you all the tips. <laughs> yeah, I'm already but I mean, I think out. there is, there is that it's interesting how you're trying to connect with single people for like this art project, you know, when you're using the internet, it's its own challenge. It's the same challenge people have you know, connecting romantically, you know what I mean? You have to go out and try to find the people, find a connection, make sure you're in sync on it and then make plans to do it. I mean, it's the whole, you're mimicking the entire is. process. It you know? feels like yeah. online dating, the whole email <laughs> yeah. exchange and the answering of the questions because I send people questions beforehand. Mm -hmm. And even when I go shoot, that feels like a date, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because I get there and we have to talk for a while, you know, the whole get to know you kind of thing. And then, we talk so much and sometimes it does feel awkward when I pull out the camera and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. let's do this now. It can feel strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. then we shoot and that is own its own experience. Uh -huh. And then when we're done, even still, I can't just say, all right, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, we yeah. sort of have to cuddle for uh -huh. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, is there going to be a second? Yeah. Are we going to do this? Yeah. Do you get coffee later. Yeah. yeah. What do we do? Do I call yeah. you? Yeah. You call me? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned the internet part. Um, I'm sort of, you know how projects go. You work for a while a certain way and then you get stuck or, or then you show people the work and see which ones are working and which ones aren't. And you get some new direction. And I think the internet is the next way for me to find more people. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, like I, absolutely. Okay. Cupid. Yeah. You know, I could Tinder. Come on. You know, Tinder. Yeah. But there's been so many Tinder type projects already. I think it's well. I don't of, want to do that, and I also yeah. don't want to misrepresent myself as somebody who's looking mm. for a date. I don't want to lead somebody on in that way. Right, right. So right. I want to be very clear mm -hmm. about what the project is and how I'm doing it. But I think that those avenues are a great way mm -hmm. to find more people. Yeah. So Amy, I think it's interesting. Like, there's a the relationships and how you're going out making relationships. So the book that you released and did with Bob. Why don't you tell us about Bob? I mean, because I think that when I saw that work, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I know this is Amy, the street photographer, and I understand this. And then I see this book and it's like beautiful, like behind documentary, like in, in the midst of like this person's life. So how did that come about? And like, 
speaking of relationships, like how, how did you develop that relationship and integrate it into like your photographic like approach? Yeah. I mean, that was my first relationship as a photographer Mm -hmm. with a subject. I was learning photography when I met the world famous Bob Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I just found her extremely visual Mm -hmm. and, um, was just immediately attracted to her magnetism. I mean, she's a, she's got a real strong physical presence and also vibe. Um, but it was very visual. So, um, like her vibe somehow was, you know, sort of in the air. Um, anyways, she just seemed like a really great subject. And, um, I just saw her show like pretty randomly and I had arrived late. So I was around the stage wings and I could see her and the other performers as they turned toward the stage and had their sort of performer face on. And then when they turned away and you could see actually their face kind of drop into like, I'm working right now. You guys are all having gin and tonics, but like, I'm actually working, you know? And it just made me think about the duality of the performer's life and whatever. But I was, you know, very inspired by the street, but I was also um, really interested in using photography as a way of connecting with people. Mm. I mean, that's what was missing in my previous career. It was so empty, man, you know, (laughs) and um, I wanted a fulfilling job. And September 11th was such a scary experience for me that it just, it made me think on a very pure level about what I wanted out of life. And photography has just been a real excuse for me to develop relationships with people. So the world famous Bob and I worked together for seven years. Wow. The first year or so we met intermittently and, you know, she knew what I wanted and um, meaning, you know, sort of fly on the wall images and we would meet and stuff and it was great. And we would get to know each other, but she's a performer and she has a really strong relationship to the camera. And after a while, I, I suggested that we meet for 24 hour periods. So I would do whatever she did for 24 hours. And that helped me cut through the performer acting toward the camera because eventually that had to stop with her. And it also drew us super close, you know, and it was really fun. It was like sleepover, you know, (laughs) with your friend, only like she was really into your project (laughs) and you were like working, you know, so it was wonderful. And, um, you know, we remain really good friends today, but I, you know, I'm not so interested in repeating that relationship photographically or that kind of project. Mm. At least I haven't been since then. I really think it was my way of being comfortable photographing people on the street because that seems to be my, you know, that's been sort of my the bulk of my photography mm-hmm. inspiration has, has lied there. And, um, if I had to go back and analyze it now, it seems to me that was just my way of really, how do you get to know a complete stranger mm-hmm. so much so that they let you into their bathroom? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that about? And that's, you know, one of the many magical components of photography that, has nothing to do with a print. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's yeah. so beautiful. It's such a beautiful yeah. But medium. it does all tie in because I think with your street photography and with the insiders, with all of it, it's all about how people present themselves to the world. You know, how do people choose to put themselves together when they walk out on the street, which is a lot of how Bob is. There's so much effort involved in how she puts herself together before she leaves the house or goes on stage. Yeah. 
That's what I love about some of your street stuff. Like when you do a lady in curlers on the street, that always kills me. <laughs> yeah. I love you know, the, the way people, people yeah. show themselves. Have yeah, you, I mean, yeah, do you important. notice, I mean, that it's one of the issues, I mean, that I always had with kind of like what we, I guess we would call it street portraiture. Like I cut up street into a couple of little different, it was like the candid stuff. You got the moving masses, like the cab, and then you got like more quiet street portraiture. How did have you, how do you, who do you gravitate? Have you noticed that you gravitate towards certain types of people or are you specifically looking or is it all open to you? Is there like subject matter you won't like touch? Like, you know, for instance, when I would be shooting in the street, like I wouldn't, if people are like eating, if they're in a cafe or stuff, I wouldn't leave them alone like that. I wouldn't do that. Or like people that are working like that kind of stuff would be off limits. Do you, how, what's the thought process for you when you're choosing, you know, subject matter? Is it just kind of like, Day in and day out, it's a different story, you know? Um, I'm definitely always wide open. So day in and day out, it's always a different story. But I'm, I'm not interested in making fun of every, anyone or photographing them in a compromising position mm-hmm. where they're sneezing or, yeah, you know, eating or, you know, even on their, well, the cell phone's not a good example of, <laughs> of lip making someone look bad. But that's not, to me, when there's, someone's on their cell phone, that's sort of like not an interesting photograph. Mm. But um, you know, so I would never, you know, I'm not interested in photographing someone who, who just like, it's not showing their, their, their true colors or, Uh or I don't even know. I just don't want anyone to look bad or I'm not making fun of anyone. Um, but as far as the personalities or like the actual physical appearances, it's hard to put into words, but I, you know, I'm looking for people who are interesting looking. Mm You know, like this is probably going to sound really self-deprecating and I don't mean it to because I, I, I don't have self-esteem problems, but I wouldn't photograph myself. I'm not, I'm sort of a vanilla brunette, you know, like girl, <laughs> Yeah. you know, so I like, um, I like people who really look like themselves. Like they're just, they're wearing it everywhere. They're breathing it. It's like. Mm. You know, and yeah, you know, like someone who I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say, I guess that's the only, that's the only thing I could say is that they just yeah, seem to really- unapol- unapologetically be themselves and have a, an interesting visual on top of that. Yeah. And then like the, the vibe they're putting on, I think that's, I mean, I, I can't remember, maybe it was one of the recent shows we were talking just about like that feeling, or maybe it was that work somewhere. I'm talking about photography a lot. <laughs> can't remember. But it just ultimately it really like most photographs are just that feeling. Like that's what I'm gonna take it. It's like I don't when I'm out shooting in Long Island, I'm shooting landscapes, it's like I just I sense the photo. I feel it. I don't know what it is. I guess you're always looking, but there is that moment where you're like, boom. Like Yeah, I and feel, maybe it you know? shouldn't be articulated. Well, yeah, exactly, maybe exactly. it can't be and it, it shouldn't I don't, be. And- I don't think it can be. It's like, right. you know, you can say what to kind of look for, but how you can't teach that feel, the feeling of like, I got to take this photo. Yeah. And, and it's such and, a strong and, feeling. And who wants it's, to define that? Yeah. You know, put yourself in a box like that anyway. Yeah. But it's funny yeah. how it works because, you know, we've been friends for a while now. And so we've gone a lot of places together and, you know, we'll just be walking down the street mm-hmm. and I'll see somebody. She's always got her phone kind of in her hand and I'll see somebody <laughs> kind of coming. It's embarrassing. It's not- <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. mine out too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I've kind of learned now, like which ones are going to catch your eye and I can mm-hmm. see it. It's so quick with like, it doesn't, it's not a thought process that happens. You don't mm-hmm. question it. 
I can see your eye go to that person and then the phone comes up and your thumb goes <laughs> and, and you're still talking yeah. and having a conversation with me, but then it's done. And then later on, I see this amazing picture that you've created. So you, you know? like, you like shooting with the phone. That was not, I mean, I, I don't you, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I yeah. mean, I like yeah. to, you know, I like, uh, you know, I use my Leica and a Roloflex. I like buttons. Mm -hmm. I like pressing things. I like the feel of a spring behind some yeah. sort of lever. This phone, it's so, ugh, you know, but it's got its upsides. And one of them is that it's always on me. And the other is, you know, that, that I can make it without much effort or much resources. And, you know, it's a very liberating camera for a photographer to have, you know, it's sort of unprecedented, like how, how, oh, yeah. how free you yeah. can be, you know, like it's, it's not just another digital camera. I, I can't take pictures. I don't know how I quit. I just stop. So like everything I do on Instagram, it's all like normal photos. I like, I can't do this mobile stuff. I'm like, <laughs> cause it's like, I take pictures out in the field. And I'm like, this is just a mediocre version of something right. that I have better. And I'm like, I don't, I can't put off like, you know, I'm not good enough to be doing like all that stuff. So it's like, I'm just going to show stuff I like, but I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, to me, it is a challenge with the phone. Like this, like you said, the ergonomics of it. It's like, I can't, how do you do this? I like having yeah, a it's camera, not man, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's not great. a camera. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can get away with so much more, though, with a phone. Yeah, that's true. And Especially I mean Especially on the subway. Yeah, and that, but the iPhone 6 is pretty amazing, too. The I mean, the cameras are getting crazy, but, like, we're not going to turn this into a camera show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or an iPhone. Yeah. Save, right? save everyone yeah. and spare but everyone. Yeah. 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 But it's also yeah. about the photographer and the way you use it. I mean, because mm -hmm. when I do an iPhone photo, it becomes a very labored thing, and I compose, and I take my time, and I hold it a certain way, mm -hmm. and my pinky sticks out, and it's obvious. And yours is very surreptitious. Mm -hmm. So it works in a very different way, and it works for you for what you're shooting, I think. Yeah, and like once you once you kind of master that way to do it, I think it's it becomes you know like you said second nature. Yeah, completely. but you know, I, part of it too is like I think it's interesting, you know how you know what it, you take these pictures and then you put them up on Instagram. And I thought it was interesting that you ended up with a show of like all of your Instagram photos, and it was kind of like. I just feel like there's certain kind of like photographers or artists like they turn whatever they do into a, some sort of project, and then it like manifests into like a show for you, you know, or you're, you know. Yeah. I mean, it didn't quite happen that way. Mm -hmm. Uli, the owner of Max Fish had been talking to me about doing something there mm -hmm. for a couple of years and I'm represented by Clamp Art, mm -hmm. you know, who's mm -hmm. also in New York city. So when they moved to their new space, Max Fish, you know, she asked me if I wanted to do something, you know, if I, ha when I have another show at Clamp Art, it's not going to be my Instagrams. <laughs> I'm going to be showing something else. Yeah. Um, and so I knew it wouldn't step on Brian's toes and, you know, it just seemed like, wow, why don't I do something with all these Instagrams that I've mm -hmm. collected? And I always thought of them as just like living on the phone or on my Instagram feed. Um, but then once I went to print them out, actually some of them, I mean, they were quite beautiful prints and they, I, met, I had them printed at Lux Lab and he was just amazing. And, you know, I kept them quite small, mm -hmm. but because they were composed to be seen small, they didn't look good any bigger actually mm -hmm. than, you know, the five by five or six by six size that I showed them. So it kind of worked out. And, you know, of course, some of them didn't make the cut because the print just suffered. Mm -hmm. 
but not most of them. I mean, it was, it kind of surprised me that you could make a beautiful print out of Instagram. Mm. So it ended up being this really great, interesting experience for me to take something I originally had no predestination for, you know, and then mm-hmm. make it a, you know, sort of see it through to the very end, which is an exhibition or a book or, yeah, you know, yeah. final presentation yeah. form. Yeah. So speaking of, um, seeing a project to the end, you would, Jen, when we were talking, you're saying you kind of are running into this dilemma now of like, how do, what do I do with these bodies of work? Is this going to be, do I try to get the big book deal? Do I self publish do it yourself? And you're kind of, I think it's a, obviously a very common, you know, situation for photographers. We run into it all the time. It's like, how do you, how do you feel like you're navigating? Cause you're, you go to a lot of portfolio reviews, you've been through the circuit and you know, you know, you kind of know the different paths to take and all these sort of things. So you're now at that, that dilemma stage. Yeah. It's an interesting stage. And it's, you know, I kind of, it's interesting for me because I had this body of work that I started and very early on, actually at Photo Nova, I met with uh, Aline Smithson. And this was a very new body of work, very much in progress. Mm-hmm. But she said, hey, take these 10 photographs in this order and submit to Review Santa Fe and submit to the competition there. And so I did that. And then I won. I won the editor's choice, mm-hmm. which was shocking. I think it was shocking to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't, come on. <laughs> no, not to me. No. Well, I mean, like, I hadn't really submitted <laughs> yeah. anything yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a little strange and unexpected. And so I feel like a lot of people saw that work then. And it was in progress, mm-hmm. and I was still adding to it. And I did take it around even while it was in progress. And it, you know, it was a clumsy adolescent, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like people saw it, and they, I wouldn't say dismissed it, but they were like, oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And now I've worked hard on it, and I finished it, and it's complete. So now I feel like I'm trotting it out again to a lot of the same people. Like, mm-hmm. hey, please take a look at this finished body of work, mm-hmm. which feels a little... I don't want to say pushy, but I guess all self-promotion feels pushy. Yeah, and I think I it, it kind of like that. It bothers me too. Like some of that stuff bothers me. Like, oh, that stuff's been all over the internet, or people have seen. I'm like, well, I mean, what is that? I don't understand that that mentality of like if they're good pictures. Like the the journey for a body of work or for a photographer is it's all it's that's part of the thing, and it just happens when it's going to happen. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can set like this certain type of path for, you know, cause it happens in different ways. So yeah. I'm always like, I, I don't sharing stuff is always, I've, been, I've always gotten benefits from it. Right. Yes. So I'm like, what benefits? I, I haven't really reaped any benefits from holding back. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm doing it wrong or, or something along those lines, but I always feel like good things happen when I share. So like, they yeah, do. I, yeah, and I mean, it's okay to share again. That's what I'm realizing. Yeah. Just because I shared it two years ago when it looked like this doesn't mean I can't share it now. Yeah. And people's perceptions of the, of the photos change. And I, you know, this is, I had arguments for this, but I think like the photos change, right? How can a photo change? But I do feel like photos have like a life of their own and they grow and they mature. It's like the same thing with my book dummies. I'm kind of like, I got, okay, I got to that stage. Now I'm going to hold on to these because I, I got to live with this a little bit and I want to wait and see, is this something I really want to like keep going forward with? And like, maybe I don't, maybe like it just ends at the book dummy and like that's its life, you know? Um, or maybe I go and I try to do something else with it. So I think like each project or set has its own 
Your relationship yeah, is constantly evolving. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's kind of like memories, too. Yeah. Whenever you reference a memory, it's never really the same. Yeah. And you kind of alter it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think, but, yeah. But it is interesting to figure out how a project is going to go live in the world because that's what you want it to do. You don't want it to live on your hard drive. You mm-hmm. want it to get out there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different possibilities, you know, just in terms of book publishing, like we talked about. You can do a small mm-hmm. run of 100 and have it be a nice, precious object. Not mm-hmm. every book needs to be 10,000 copies. <laughs> right, right, you don't right. need to do a $25,000 Kickstarter mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. certain projects. Mm-hmm. Some of these can be projections. Some of these can be books on demand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to, I mean, we're going to see you. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some books that made it to completion. And it's a good, it's a good lineup. A very good lineup, <laughs> I promise. It's <laughs> always good on the LTV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be very illuminating. I, I Absolutely. Do like, I do that's like that's the one benefit of age, right? Because yeah. everything else sucks. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, if yeah. there was no wisdom coming yeah, down, exactly. I would be really pissed. Oh, you exactly. know? I would just be like, and the wrinkles? Yeah, yeah. And the saggy skin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think but so. I'm like, what I found too is like, I'm going to be busy now. I'm just going to keep working all the time because that fights off all like the darkness that you see like, on the horizon. So it's like you keep busy. No, I like, mean, and that's what, when you guys were talking about sharing er- earlier and how you feel better, I just think the secret to life is engaging. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what happens next. You know, if you died tomorrow, you probably wouldn't have any regrets. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my personal feeling right. about it, you know? And so however it is you want to engage, just engage and don't not engage, right. you know, like share stuff and yeah. do stuff and keep busy. Yeah. Yeah. Make that's, stuff. Yeah. That's, read stuff, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's a, that's the thing is like when I, you know, I've always, whenever you had that impulse to make, right. You know, I'm like, that's going to go away. somewhere. like, I'm going to run out of ideas or whatever. I'm like, nope, no. Nope. I still go out on long walks to the point of shooting, like take pictures of like compulsively of trees and like, Still doing it, Brian Tanner is still doing it, like, uh, whatever, great. you know, and, like, I'm totally into it, and it's, like, I don't know, one thing I did, also about, like, getting old, too, is, like, the funny thing, kind of, like, we hold so many multiple, like, concepts and, and ideas and ways of working in our heads, like, your job, like, four different projects, like, I can go into one project, and boom, I'm in, like, that area in my head, but you can put that away for sometimes weeks or months and then reactivate it. But like, it's sometimes better to put it away yeah, because exactly. it's working in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the human mind is, that's somebody, I'm glad there's people studying it. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I like to keep a little bit of the mystery, but I mean, holy <laughs> smokes. I mean, like, we built computers. I mean, why doesn't no one think like that's, you know, I, it's kind of a Louis C.K. moment, right? Everything's amazing. You know? No, but, I think about that yeah. all the time. Like, I'm so happy I'm not a cave woman. Been <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a bummer, yeah, you know. Yeah, I would have yeah. been like, "What? Yeah. Dead at like, 18, why are we first not of all." Always yeah. talking about 
Heart surgery. People's <laughs> hearts. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of why yeah. I have a hard time watching Game of Thrones because it's uh, like, oh man, life is so hard. Yeah, you just find out the basic stuff. But I mean, even it, it's like still really hard for a lot of people, obviously today. But like, it's you know, what the hell happens when we get rid? If we ever get rid of all that, and we can kind of just like, I don't know. I probably won't be alive to see it, but you know, or maybe who knows? Maybe, maybe. we'll get to that peak. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we got we got some you. awesome books. I mean, I don't even really know where to start here. Oh, damn! I mean, like, come on! I mean, I would be remiss if we didn't start with Irving Penn, though, right? Yes. So that would be my opinion. But yeah, that's because I brought the book. Amy, you brought us uh, Irving Penn, and it's so this one's called Small Trade. Yes. And you told me before that you have. An interesting story. So why don't you tell us why you brought this book and what's the story? Oh, well, it's, it's Penn's interesting story. Oh. I, mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I just, there's, a, there's some text in there, an interview with um, an assistant who worked with him while he was photographing in Paris. Mm-hmm. These are portraits of people he made in 1950 and 1951 um, of people in Paris mm-hmm. and London and New York who have small trade occupations. Mm. And so his assistants, which they called beaters at the time, <laughs> would go out and find these people in the street, you know, while they're in their occupation and then convince them to come back into to Penn's studio. And he would make these portraits in between other fashion stuff that he was doing. Um, and that actually, that was the case in Paris. I'm not sure if he was also doing it while photographing fashion in London and New York. But Anyway, I mean, they're just, you know, the idea was that these small trades were going to go away due to modernism. And he wanted to photograph them along the same lines as um, Eugene at Jay's Petit Metier. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, he would bring them in. And what's cool is that, well, there's so many cool things about these photographs. um, (laughs) But one of the cool details about it is that the studios located in Paris and London, the light comes from the right. And the studio in New York, the light comes from the left. Oh, you can wow. see it in that picture. Wow. So it's just kind of an interesting, you know, obviously the, the locations are, are there in the captions with the photos. So you, you also don't need to know that tidbit to, to know the location. But um, I just, I love the humanism in these photographs. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a... I know the contortionist, <laughs> the contortionist right? Yeah. yeah, I think we photographed that one, so Woo-hoo! that will be up. But big win. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love how he uses shadow to define part of their portrait. I mean, some of them are parts of their body are very well illuminated. Others he lets go extremely dark. Um, and in fact, he first photographed using silver gelatin prints, and then once he perfected the palladium process, he went back to these negatives and started photographing them using that process, which of course made the prints even darker and more mysterious. And, um, and in the book they show an example of like a silver gelatin next to a palladium. And, um, it's just super instructive, interesting to see them side by side. And, you know, and then also as he revisited the negatives, he would sometimes choose a different frame than he did the first time around. And so if I'm remembering right, he worked on these images for decades, Mm -hmm. you know, just tweaking and you know i mean he was a big lover of the dark room so i'm sure he was just having a lot of fun in there and you know it was such a rich gigantic body of work yeah and ties 
really nicely into what we were just talking about before the break of like how pro- you know different projects take their own. They have a have life, and you life can't define you can't it ahead define. of time. Yeah, yeah, you have to just go go with it. Yeah, I mean, he's it's like one of those guys like Irving Penn, you know, and then. Like I'm into like a lot of contemporary stuff, you know what I mean? And then when you actually come across there, like, oh, that's why it's Irving Penn, and you just know (laughs) it. Like, bringing good photos, you know? It's like, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, man, I really need to go back and get a real photo education, (laughs) like go to school and like learn some of the stuff. But with photo books and all, like, how is it possible? I just don't. How can you know? How can you see everything? There's so much that. I mean, I, I should hope we don't see everything. Life would be so uninteresting <laughs> if I thought I'd seen right. it all. Right. Yeah. And I think like that's the idea of like the canon or certain photo books that like, you have to see. It's like, come on. No, like this is like my preferred way of being introduced to like, you know, the work. It's like you came, you came here and you, this book mean to, means a lot to you. And it's like, you want to share it with me. And like, now I see it. I'm taking away all this stuff. And it's like, yes, that's the way I want to kind of like view books. Not after like, reviews online are great. I like book reviews, but I'm saying like, that doesn't really always like necessarily sell me on the book. It's like that personal recommendation. You You get to see why someone else like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's like, you know, especially with people like, you know, you think about it and it's like, you have all these books on your shelf. Like which ones do you pull off and why do you pull it? And why do you pull it for like, because you know, you're going to talk to Brian, you're going to go talk to your next podcast or whoever else you're going to talk to. And like, you might pull off a different book, you know? So it's like you create in your head, it's like there's that relationship between the book and the person and and what have you, you know? Mm. So it's, you know, so what about Joanne Callis, other rooms? So then Joanne, there's another, I think I've seen this stuff online at least. Well, it came out pretty recently. I think it was last year through Aperture. Mm -hmm. So there was quite a bit of stuff out about this book. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, which books do you pull off yourself? Because I didn't think about it that much. I was just making a pile of my favorites. And then as I saw them there, I realized, mm-hmm. wow, these are all really connected. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it is all this sense of discomfort and unease. and Yeah, this I can definitely and, see yeah. why you, I mean, that's another interesting thing, seeing the connection between, you know, your work and then the stuff that you're really drawn to, you know, because I feel like, I feel like more you have, you can get like a core set of photographers that are kind of like your, like you keep going back to her. Like that's really like the ones that. They're your people. They're your people. Yeah. Like your, your family. Your ancestors. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Your ancestors. (laughs) They're your ancestors. But it's funny because I didn't discover this book until I had finished that other project. And there are some similar photos, like the way Mm. she will fragment body parts and leave things out. And there is a simpler composition. And so when I did pick up this book after I'd finished the other project, I mean, I realized, of course, no wonder I love this. <laughs> right, right. And I'm glad I didn't see it before I did that work, or I think I would have unconsciously tried mm-hmm. to imitate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that happens a lot with all of our favorite photographers. You do imitate them somewhat, mm-hmm. and then you work through it and come to your own thing. But I am, I'm happy I didn't see this before. I love it so much. Yeah, I think, you know, it's you, you definitely have... This, this desire for kind of like you want you want to be in that space with the person and like there's that uncomfortableness you like you want that's the area you really want to explore and yes. it's kind of like that's that's like your your place I mean that to me that terrifies me I don't want to take the last thing I want to do and then I'm there with a camera with this person are you kidding me like and I gotta 
do art. No way. You know? Well, it's so funny because when it was yeah. self-portraits, I mean, I didn't even notice that's what I was doing. Obviously, when I edited, mm -hmm. that's the photo I would gravitate towards. But now that I'm shooting other people, mm -hmm. it's strange. There are moments where I feel it. I feel it happening. This mm -hmm. is it. This is that awkward moment. This is where yeah. I'm seeing what they don't want me to see. Mm -hmm. And I do. I feel guilty sometimes when I take the picture. Mm -hmm. You know, I do feel like then I feel like I'm stealing something. Yeah. It's, it, I'm, it's so weird with portrait. I can't. Like when I'm out walking and doing landscape, I get into that mode where like your perception kind of changes and you're, you're just, you get this on the street, I'm sure too, Amy, where you kind of like, you know, you're seeing everything, you're seeing everything down the street or you're like, you're analyzing it. It's all coming through you and you're kind of like ready. When I get in with people, it all becomes like a fuzzy blur in my head. Like there's not that kind of moment. It all feels like, oh, what am I doing here? What am I doing? I got to take the picture. I got to take the picture. So I think, I don't know, like, must be a skill cultivating like that ability to like calm your mind or unless your mind is completely like frazzled as well and you just deal with it better <laughs> no i mean i don't even know how to explain it and i don't know if i'm always successful because there's sometimes where i feel like oh that was it but then the photo itself doesn't reflect that mm -hmm. and it could be one a different one later on that actually gets what i felt mm -hmm. in that moment if that mm -hmm. makes any sense oh totally totally yeah this is i mean i like this i like a lot of the uh, you know, nudity is hard. You know, nudity is a really hard thing. And then you add the awkwardness and nudity to it. It's even harder to pull. She does it with such like. She does. And what I feel like works about these that I love mm -hmm. is that I don't feel like she went in with these specific compositions in mind. Mm -hmm. I feel like she showed up to this place with this person and said, hey, I've got some duct tape and a cigarette. <laughs> you know, what yeah. can we do with this? Yeah. And they sort of. You know, I feel like this is a long photo session. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. they're here for a couple hours and they bounce ideas off each other and one thing leads to another. And that's what I love about mm -hmm. this kind of photography. So I think because we got, we got, we got shooting, you know, shoot the arrow, Bob. Now, how much of the direction were you giving or how much was set up in oh, the book? I never. Never? Did. Was it all? I never gave her direction. She, did that she was ever, premise. but she kind of knew. I mean, she's a performer, though. Like, she knows she's on camera. She. Oh, yeah. Know. She knew she was on camera. But I, the only one time I altered a setting I was mm -hmm. photographing was when she and Pete were, it's like a picture of them kissing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad I did. And I had, like, I had, like, such an ethical breakdown about it at the time. <laughs> but there was this gigantic bottle of water on, you know, at, sitting in the counter, like, mm -hmm. where the on their table and it was just ugly especially in black and white right it's just going to be a big blob so i moved it and i you know that was the only thing that was the only time i ever altered the surroundings because i really like complicated um compositions i like cluttered mm -hmm. compositions that keep you someplace for a long time so mm -hmm. i don't have a, a big problem with having a lot of elements in my frame. There it is. Mm. Oh, there it is. So yeah. there was like a big, ugly water bottle. Oh, like, right, right, right. Right there, right, basically. Right. And, and did yeah. you ask them to kiss again? Oh, no, I just moved it and they, oh. and then the moment <laughs> oh, continued. It? Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. you're being way too hard. Yeah. Like ethical dilemma yeah. of moving the water bottle? Yeah. You know, I was a young yeah. photographer yeah. and I was like, but yeah. this is documentary, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that's interesting, have you, but you still uh, seem like, even before you're like, no, I don't, I mean, you seem like you're very I mean, committed I'm, to I mean, like, I'm into reality. Yeah. That to me is mm -hmm. part of why I photograph. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in 
dealing in that chaos and making some sort of sense out of it. It's all a very personal thing for me. I'm just trying to live a fulfilling life. Mm. And for me, reality is life. And so it's just my way of understanding it, mm-hmm. you know? So I like that business. I find it very challenging and I like, you know, being in that challenge. But now it's more, you know, maybe more challenging for me to be in a portrait studio. Yeah. You know, so it, you, you develop these, you know, skills uh-huh. and then you have a deficit somewhere else. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm very used to the flow and just like mm-hmm. having subject matter fly by my eyes instead of being in a studio and creating it yeah. or like what you do, Jennifer, you know, they're just totally different skills yeah. and um, proclivities. Yeah. I have no problem saying to somebody, okay, wait, I need to move this uh-huh. bottle. Will you do that again? <laughs> I had to take a photojournalism ethics class in college, and the water bottle dilemma would have been a big one. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. See, yeah. I was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was right. The pain. I guess I've always. I guess I'm just. I was always kind of a fake documentary. I was like, well, I came from writing. I wanted to write a screen screenplays, but like, so going out in the street and doing this, I go, well, I like exactly what you said. This is just live. I can be there and do what I want. But now. It seems as if, like, I, as I progress, I become, you know what, you always have been more of a writer, like, trying to script it than a document. Because I have a, so much respect for documentary photography. Like, like social kind of documentary photography, like, I mean, that's just immersing yourself in that world and, like, the sacrifices you have to make. I mean, it's insane. Like, so I don't take that lightly. It's just, like, that's one of the reasons I don't do it. Like, I'm not going to just do that on the weekend and kind of like pretend you're like, you have to be committed to it, you know, and you are very committed to it. You know, like this is, you're there all the time. It's gotta be tough. For me, one of the great things about photography though, is the historical aspect of it. So like I would say to you, no, you don't have to be full time. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the pictures aren't just about, when you're into reality, the pictures aren't about the pictures. They're about the experience. I would say, you know, maybe mm-hmm. there'll be other photographers who photograph in the same genre who would disagree with me mm-hmm. or maybe in 20 minutes, I'll rethink it, you know, <laughs> but you know, I would say for sure that that's the case. And, um, yeah. So for me, like the historical aspect, the fact that a photograph can render actual life that is going to, you know, is deteriorating by the moment mm-hmm. is so impactful and important to me that um you don't even have to make a a proper project for that stuff to be super meaningful you know it's the photo album i'm talking about you know it's it's like the basic quality of photography how we used it traditionally until we decided oh wouldn't it be cool to like create a a situation and then Uh photograph uh it you know sort of like the painter did yeah and then you know play on the riff that is it real is it not and Uh you know all that interesting stuff um, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm quite traditional mm. in, in my love of photography, I would say. Yeah. I, I kind of feel myself like swaying to both poles, you know, like it's a beautiful, yeah. rich medium and yeah. it offers a lot, you know, usually as a photographer, you're on one side or the other. Yeah. Um, but I think most of us, you know, really enjoy all aspects of yeah. how people mess with it. Yeah. Well, there's. Definitely stuff I don't like. Well, but, but, <laughs> yeah, we, we should we hope so. Right? We, Let's try be discerning. The, we try to keep the LPV show on, on a positive note so we don't want to be slamming any types of photography. But we, you're right. Like that's, We only have the good books on the show. 
We only have yeah. one book. That's one book. It's like, What's next? The official policy: no assholes, right? <laughs> I don't know if I we stated that, that publicly yet, but you yeah, know, I love that. So I, you know, I think like, what? What is this? So I didn't. This is a great what, collection. Like, pleasures of terror, pleasures and terrors of domestic comfort. So this was a show at at MoMA. Yes. When was the show? I think nineteen ninety one. Oh really? I believe. Jeez. Ninety one. So you didn't see it, huh? I didn't see the show, no. Yeah, it says 91. 91. Yeah, but I found the book pretty early on, and I was, and it's funny that we are talking about this difference between documentary and stage, because this is a pretty good mix of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Eggleston, Nicholas Nixon, was Lorca DeCorsha in it? Lorca DeCorsha, Gregory Crudson, Mm -hmm. um, Nan Golden, Cindy Sherman, Nicholas Nixon. I mean, so the question is, is like the obvious question is, can you tell? Whether it's or like stage matter. or doesn't matter. Or doesn't yeah. matter, exactly. Well, I mean, I think, I, I honestly think like the more interesting question is, can you tell? Right. <laughs> I do like what doesn't matter, because ultimately, no, it doesn't matter if it like moves you and you feel something like yeah. you get something I, out of it. You know, I, I think know. it's context. Context yeah. is where that's critical. Yeah, of course, of course. But I'm like. And I guess it depends on how you're presenting it. You know, yeah. I would never present mm-hmm. my work as documentary and, you know. Yeah. I just think, I think I can tell. I don't know. So I would have to have a test. But I think when I look at the photo, I'm like, that's set up or that's candid. I don't know. There's what Amy was talking about. Like, it's that moment. There is something like you can't almost like translate it. And like, that's what photography kind of like was so, why it was so powerful to like, just get that brief glimpse. And you just, to me, when you see that, you just know, yeah, reality was slipping away right in that moment. You know, and like on a stage, I just, you know, you often feel like, you know, it's it's kind of like performance, you know, but I like performance. I like TV and movies. And yeah. like, so I like people performing and it's a kind of an interesting, like, dichotomy. I'm very conflicted. I'm very conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. We, we like them both. Yeah. And I've been like the space in between, I guess, too. That's it's, what I really like is the yeah. space in between. Well, that's what I feel like is the trend now with photography is sort of like a personal documentary. Mm-hmm. You're not claiming well, think- any objectivity. You're actually claiming subjectivity, mm-hmm. but you're maybe not staging. Right. Well, I, I kind saw- of feel like that's sort of the photography around. Yeah. Nowadays. There was a term I saw for it. It was, there was a series on BBC and I wish I could remember the title of it, um, but they were calling it conceptual documentary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, but see, that seems like a real cop out. <laughs> I was to me, that's I don't even know what yeah. that could fucking. But mean. I think yeah. the point was <laughs> yeah. I don't even get it. But yeah. I mean, I I do because I I think I know where because of this context of this conversation. But yeah, well, it's not know. photojournalism, but conceptual documentary. Like, let's say people will document a community for you know a course of ten years. Mm-hmm. I mean. Obviously, the people you photograph over and over know they're being photographed. And the very fact that a camera is present will affect the way a person behaves, Mm -hmm. where they look, what they do. They're conscious of the camera. Mm -hmm. So I think the point is that it then becomes something else. Documentary filmmaking is a lot like that as well. Just because of the nature, like having so many more things involved, having to worry about sound and lighting. People are definitely aware that you're there and it kind of, Changes right. the situation. Well, that's why I became such a fan of a fan of the Maisel's brothers because mm-hmm. in like Grey Gardens, 
for example, this is this is like the strongest example of this quality of theirs. They just infuse themselves in the story, yeah. you know. So little Edie's like talking to David, mm-hmm. and they keep that stuff in that didn't, yeah. you know, get cut out. And to me, that's like that is a personal documentary. That's where the story is about little and big Edie, mm-hmm. but it's also about the Maisel's brothers. Yeah coming in and how that changes them and Edie puts on her scarves and it's so beautiful because you don't have that struggle between objectivity and subjectivity and also taking advantage of someone or, you know, you get the feeling that like that was all copacetic, you know? And if you do any reading about the Maisel's brothers, they'll tell you that they would never, ever, ever put something up that their subjects didn't um, approve of. You know, that was a strict policy of theirs. Yeah, I mean, there is, there's always that, I don't know, I like, I like yeah, being able to like verite and capture this, like that thing. What is, it's kind of like why we like recording the conversations because it exists in its own space and it's like, it is what it is. And so there is, I don't know. Yeah, I, de- I definitely have that documentary impulse. The record. You know? like, yeah. The record, yeah. The record, the archives. It's, it's, it's yeah. great. It's beautiful. You know? But it's one thing, do you ever think about like, so what? we're going to have these massive archives of all this stuff now in this record. You're all, we all are going to have like a personal record of our time here. And it's probably going to be preserved in one way or another on the internet. And now future generations are going to be able to like, or no, they're we're gonna, lost in a mess of data. Or lost in a mess <laughs> well, of that's data. What well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought we were going. Yeah, is, Tom I mean, is the, very dystopian. I'm a little bit like more optimistic. He like, yeah. I'm like, wow, just think in 50 years, like you're a kid and you can go like, I'm going to go back to New York in like 2015. And I can read all these blogs, look at all these photos and like basically kind of live there. So I think like, I don't know, there's something about going back into history and kind of experiencing that somehow. And I think there's some impulse in us that wants to, wants future generations to kind of like really feel like what it was to be here. And I think that's kind of like sort of at the core of the documentary impulse. Like you want people to feel like they were there and you do want a good set of photos. You're like, Oh man, you know, like that's just the power of them. I think so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm full of shit. You know? <laughs> so we got, we got another book here. Well, Susan, yeah, I mean, Susan, myself, like the carnival, carnival strappers. I mean, she didn't talk about one of the best documentary photographers. Yeah, yeah, she's a really righteous, beautiful yeah. woman. She, I didn't she, even know there were carnival strippers. Till, I know. I didn't either until I used to take this book out at ICP every week. It, at the time I was studying there, um, the only copy out was like, the only copy they had was a first printing. Mm-hmm. So it was kept behind the glass and I had to like talk to a librarian. And finally, like the librarian guy was like, you really like this book, don't you? (laughs) But I was making Bob at the time and yeah, I just studied it really hard. I was, um, um, really, you know, moved by it. And it's my favorite, it's my favorite work of my even though she's gone on to make, you know, she, um, she has a, she has a project of Soho, which is where Mm. she grew up that, um, I don't think gets as much press as like her work in um overseas and stuff mm-hmm. nicaragua but um yeah she's just a beautiful photographer and she's so smart if yeah. you go to hear a talk i mean she's not just smart she's inspira- ins- yeah. you know inspirational and 
She's yeah, she's she was yeah, she was in photographer's sketchbook. She was in the book I put out. Yeah, she was. I mean, I didn't have much contact with her. You're dealing with your assistants at that point, you yeah. know. But it was yeah. I mean, the thing with like these photographers, like she, you know, she's later in life, and it's like they get known for like one kind of typically like one body of work. But then when you come across like these books and like their other work, it's like holy smokes, they made. They make so many good photos. I mean, it's like, well, they're good photographers. Yeah, I don't know. They're always photographing. Yeah, I mean, it's just just, a matter of getting through it. I'm sure you know. But there is something to that. The dedicate. I mean, yeah. How many people just kind of like, okay, you get to like 15 years of doing this, like I don't have it. (laughs) Like, there's a lot. You run into like a lot of old, older, you know, dudes that way. Or like, oh, they were so ambitious in their like 20s and 30s, and then you get to like 45, 50, and like, well. To photograph the kids and the grandkids i guess that's basically it which is great i think like i'm glad those you know people are out doing that and it serves its own kind of value but like those type of photographers that just like no matter what they don't stop it's like those are the ones that kind of like well, i think there's a different yeah. impulse there yeah 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 for sure for sure because you know for maybe there pe- are people who make it a profession and for other people yeah, it's for a some real people, impulse it's more of a trade you know it can be a technical thing like the right. people who i'm not knocking this cuz i think everybody needs to make money <laughs> right. but let's say you do like shoes and lookbooks uh-huh uh-huh and that's your trade like i can see how you would burn out on that but uh-huh. if there are people who just feel this need to tell stories yeah those are the ones that i think keep going or just just even make something like i i've it's hard. Art is really hard, by the way. You know, yeah. I mean? it's like with a primary <laughs> lesson. I've kind of learned doing it for the last eighteen years. Like, is it at some point is this going to get easier? I can just do it. And well, like, that's what? why there are books called "The War of Art." <laughs> yeah, art yeah. and fear. Yeah, yeah. Art yeah. And fear. That's my favorite one. But it's I. Feel, but I, you know, this is something. Is like you know, it is really hard when I sit and kind of think about it. But like, Brian, just go outside, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, now I'm working on it, and like, oh. Here's how you take the picture. Here's what you do. And it just is like, okay, like you're going and then you start to solve the problem. Like it's always happens. Once you start photographing, you solve whatever photographic problems you were having. And it's like, it just works. That process works. Like the best advice always is go out and make photographs and like, you will go somewhere. Something will happen. The idea will change or you'll get your good stuff, you know? And like, that must be one reason you really like, street photographies because you can walk out the door and you're there yeah it's just you're working everywhere. you know yeah but you know i don't need i don't have a problem or like a lack of stimulation uh-huh. i really don't uh-huh. i you know it's like all i can do not to photograph you know oh, it's nice. like an impulse not to it's a very i feel super lucky i mean because of the way i came into photography which we were talking about earlier in the show it's a super super pure connection like uh-huh. pure is just the best word for uh-huh. me to it was really i was just so scared about life uh-huh. you know so so yeah we i feel you know i feel like i came this close to not being a photographer uh-huh. oh my god you know it's crazy when total utter tragedies mm-hmm. can result in, in one of the three most beautiful things that's happened yeah. to me in my life yeah, yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. such a strange thing yeah. it's it's a great thing but did you right. ever feel like you were kind of like maybe searching for it? Like I, when I, when I first kind of recognized that impulse, like, Oh God, I'm going to make things. Like I knew I did it as like a teenager, like, but it was in different ways that like we would play like, you know, Nerf basketball in the basement and we'd end up creating like players and a whole like 
NBA franchise and all those things. So it was like that imagination of building this world and like never dawned on it until when I went look back, it's like, oh, you were always interested in like trying to create and make that. But it's always like, how do you take this impulse? And it wasn't really before I got the camera in my hand that it was like, now this kind of makes sense. So it's always like, it's kind of like photography kind of pulled me that way Some, somehow or another. And it's like, 15 years later, here we are, you know? Yeah. But did you feel that way too? Like you were kind of like, felt you were searching for that and you kind of, you know. It was a really sudden thing. I mean, mm. it, you know, but, um, but I was aware, you know, I, I was aware that writing wasn't a perfect fit for me and that there were much better writers out there. Cause I was writing a lot of poetry and Poetry is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about hard art, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I'd been writing poetry from like 14 to 27 and I probably got pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. I saw some the other day cause I just recently moved and it wasn't terrible. I was surprised to find, but I did sort of give up on it. You know, I just felt like there were just, it wasn't, I wasn't good enough and there were other better writers out there. And I also um, was sort of like a Sunday painter. And I loved painting too, but when I had my big career breakdown and I thought, do I want to be a painter? The answer was no, because that's also super lonely internal, you know, in your head, kind of you and the turpentine in a room, you know? So part of what attracted me to photography was like I was saying before that, that how it developed relationships with other people. It wasn't internal, even though there's a lot of part to the photography that I make that is internal or independent or s about the soul, soul observer maybe mm -hmm. or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I love that you can go outside and be working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's so different than the painter yeah. and the writer yeah. where they have to buckle down and close the door and, you know, Instant, get to work. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that was part of my, my attraction to the medium and using it in the way I do. Cause obviously you can also use photography as a very internal mm -hmm. search, which is, you know, how, how I would say that you use it. Um, and why I love, you know, being around you so much just because it's so different than me. And, you know, we joke about this a lot because we are out socially and at photo stuff and everyone always, not everyone, but many people are like, Hey, let's, let's get a drink with, you know, yeah. Jen, or, you know, why don't you and Jen come on the LPV show? Or, uh, yeah. right. And we're, oh, we're, right. we're a little right. couple yeah. and I love it. And yeah. I think, are we sun and moon or, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, you're but, all about the reality and I'm yeah, all about the fantasy yeah. and the escapism. And so but then we kind of look alike. Okay, so why are you guys working on a project together? Uh, right? I mean, you yeah. just made it right there. <laughs> I think sun we should have an exhibition. I think we should do it. I think you should totally have an exhibition. Something like whatever, even if it's only three months. I love collaborating. I love collaborations between photographers. See, and this yeah. is the manager there, in yeah. you. See, you maybe you need to orchestrate it all. <laughs> well, one of the ideas we have is like on the show, we'll, we'll collaborate with the guests for like three or four months and then bring them back on and we'll talk about like what we worked on and then you know, we got That's a lot a of ideas, idea. but I think it's, I think there's, I don't know. I just feel you like. You can give us assignment or one word and we'll <laughs> each make a picture of that. Yeah, we'll see how that yeah. Comes I think I'm more ambitious. <laughs> I would make it much more complicated. No, I just see it in my head. It's like, but it's kind of that thing. It's like, oh, there's the first good idea. What can I layer on top of that and make it more complicated to kind of, yeah. especially intelligent artists. Like, no, you got to give them. You got to really like give them something or give them something so dull that they're like, wait a minute. 
I didn't think you gave, <laughs> give me that assignment. I don't know. Okay. I don't think I could do it though. I don't know. I had a teacher once who used to give assignments like that. He would just door. Door uh-huh. was the assignment. Yeah. And the, all the different doors, kinds and pictures. Uh-huh. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it from kind of, you know, a, I don't know. I, it's kind of like that, that pull between like super complex and like simple and ambiguous. It's like, okay, door, like your head can kind of like go a million different places, you know. But if you say like, okay, I need you to get on a plane and go to Texas next weekend and you got to check into a hotel and you get $300, you know, like that's the kind of stuff I would want to like string together. It's like, okay, what's this level of complexity? I like that. I'd be down for that. Well, we were just talking about it before. Yeah. Just like, getting on the plane and having the random adventure. Yeah. It's a great one. We That, that should be like the group project. Everyone in like <laughs> 20, get 25 photographers, like one. We all go to the day. airport. Yeah. We all go to the airport. You <laughs> yeah. go to a different plane. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we just talking about the road trip? Yeah. On yeah. a plane? Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Idea. I mean, it's. And find, everyone finds a motel. Yeah. I mean, but then you know something. People are going to come back with like. Yeah. That weird sounds amazing. Stuff. And then what do you do? Somebody's got to edit it. Anyone out there want to edit Someone's this project? Edit. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Editing gets a bad rap, right? Oh, I love editing. <laughs> oh, I do. I seriously do. When we were talking, we've talked about this before. Like, when I get filmed back, it's like people are like, oh, scanning. And they'll tweet about, oh, I got to scan. I'm judging. I'm like, this is, this makes my weekend. If I can sit and see the pictures and scan, are you kidding me? Like, this is what I want to do. And, but like, editing, that is, I mean, it's so painful and so horrible. And like, you know who doesn't and who doesn't. Like, that is like where you confront yourself. Right there, you're looking at your own pictures and like, yes, no, maybe what, you know. And it's where you confront the medium's limitations too. Mm. Because like we were talking about earlier, Jennifer, with your singles project, the feelings aren't visual. They don't, they don't have a physical presence. Mm. And so the camera can't pick up on that stuff. And so, you know, you have to decide when you're looking at your images, like where did those feelings magically become visual? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the camera is, is very limited in what it can do mm-hmm. and it does certain things really, really well. And it's, you know, a complete blank in other areas like mm-hmm. audio, for example, or, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, to, yeah. to give yeah. a blatant example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why time is such a healer when it comes to editing because you remove yourself from what happened at the time the photograph was taken. It becomes a lot easier to see how a stranger sees the picture, like what's actually there. Right. How often are you digging back in your archive all the time? Or do you kind of like. Let- no, but I feel like I could. Like, I really feel like if I had some time, that would not be a terrible place to spend it because, you know, I feel like some tailoring down of old projects would be great. You know, um, there's just a lot to do all the time. You <laughs> yeah. know, and it's really hard to manage. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. I mean, they, I, you know, my my goal this year was to come like I'm gonna wrap up more of all these little collections I have in Lightroom and like the books and like actually I'm gonna the one thing and like that's it. And I'm like I don't know, I don't know if I can do that. Can I do that? Am I able to do that? You know, how many things are you working on at once? Um, two usually. Yeah, so you can kind of juggle two projects. Well, projects have different mm-hmm. phases. Right. You know, I have the one that's finished and now I need to do all the stuff that we hate to do, which is, you know, marketing <laughs> yeah, and promotion yeah. and peddling it. And, you uh-huh. know, I feel like a used car sales. <laughs> oh, there she still runs. Yeah. She's still good. Yeah, yeah. Just give her a shot. Take her for a ride. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. there's the new work, you yeah. know, but I think, 
I think it's better that way because when I was only working on the other project, it became too precious, too mm-hmm. much of a thing. I think it is useful for us creative types to have more than one thing going on so you don't get wrapped yeah. up and attached to one. Yeah. yeah, anytime I see somebody like, this is my epic 10-year project and this is all I'm going to do, I'm like, Whew. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like putting it all into like that one thing. It's like, I mean, it's impressive when people can do it, but I don't know like how realistic it is. Even like we're talking about certain projects call for certain treatments Mm -hmm. and people are in certain phases in their life wherein they can give this or that. And it's got to all sync up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Every project is its own, you know, being, I feel like, and people in variety part, like in various parts of their career in certain different stages and having different relationships with projects, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you next? I mean, if we talk to you in six months, Amy, are you, what are you, what are you going to have for us? You can have a book. What are you working on? What's the, the well, top secret? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't believe in, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. really Sharing understand that right, right, right. secret. Um, well, I'm going to, to Japan next month. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be making some images there. I've been um, photographing teenagers. New York Young was my first project. And um, so I go around with my Roloflex and, you know, ask teenagers if I can take their picture. It takes like two seconds. I make two frames. It's super quick. And then it goes all into the edit, you know, once I see who gives what in front of the camera. And um, anyway, I did that also in Hawaii last year. Oahu Young, which I haven't released yet. And then this will be Tokyo Young. Um, but I'm also going to be not like now is sort of the street photography season, mm. season for making, you know, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. at the warm weather. Yeah. So that's really what I concentrate on uh-huh. from May to October is getting out in the street as much as possible. I just moved to bed So I'm really like chomping at the bit nice. to get out there. I mean, I've been making a lot of Instagram photos with my iPhone since I've been there the last two weeks, but it's a really rich, deep neighborhood that I know very little about. Um, and I'm so excited about investigating it through photography and yeah. So I imagine at the end of the summer, there'll be a lot of bed street portraits and also just like general meandering, which may or may not include specific groups of people. Uh Sometimes, sometimes I, I'm sort of a socio-historian type, you know, I really like, um, you know, I've kind of got like the August Sonder syndrome mm-hmm. of really, I like to photograph a lot of different types of people in a sort of cataloging way, mm-hmm. um, with, you know, it doesn't have to be like a very sharp, um, overarching theme to them right. all right. sort of interested in, I don't know, there's so many people, I don't know why I like to look <laughs> at them all, but it just makes me feel better. I, I'm not really sure what that's all about. I, get, I think it's just about being aware of one's surroundings and that, yeah. that that's always a good feeling. Wow, that all sounds so awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I'm psyched for yeah. it. I mean, it's been interesting because I have an office in this new apartment mm-hmm. and it's on the second floor and my windows, I have these three huge windows and it's just not that far from the street. It's like, I look and it's 10 feet, you know, I'm sure I'll be making some photographs for my window. Nice. Anyway, my desk is right there and I hear a lot in the background while I'm working on other things. I hear the street pass by. It's very busy. I live on DeKalb, so the bus is going by and 
you know, people live a lot out on the street and you hear interactions and things like that. And it's just so interesting to be a street photographer and to be, to take in the street so visually and to be learning about this new neighborhood a lot so far audibly, you know, like through this sort of like tapestry of urban sound, you know, it's been super interesting for me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in there. Sweet. And Jen, you're going to have your book out, right? You're going to come back and <laughs> promote a book. Hopefully a book yeah, dummy, yeah. at a least. A book dummy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think What do they the call next... it a dummy? It's just not right. Macat, you can call awesome. him a cat. Smarty. <laughs> Macat. Yeah, Macat. <laughs> that's oh, that's pretty. Yeah. Macat, yeah. Oh, there we go. Let's, that's like the maquette is like the small model, right? You know, right. Like, <laughs> I had to so look we'll it up. Yeah, the French are always better. So you will be working on that. and then Yeah, so hopefully I'll have that. And then... You know, my single stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely keep shooting that. I've got a lot more to do with that. Nice. I picked up a lot of good pointers from lighting from Tom, <laughs> which was awesome. Yeah. Nice. Now I just went to a portfolio review and I showed the work I have so far. And it's interesting to get some feedback mm-hmm. on what's working and what's not. Cool. So I need to get back into that. I'm excited. Well, I mean, we're going to have to have you both back on now. Yeah. So thank you so much, Amy. Thank Jen. you. Yeah, thank that's you. Really, yeah, it was a great uh, it was a pleasure chat with you guys. Now we um, get whiskey. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and burritos. Nice. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and LPVshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening.